Hey, this is Kimmy Keene, co-founder of Families in Action for Quality Education here in Oakland. Welcome to the FIA Audio Advocacy Experience. And in this episode, we're doing something a little different. We are actually crossing some color lines, man. I'm getting a, a, a good friend of mine in, somebody who I consider a mentor, a leader in this work, and has been doing work in Oakland for a really, really long time. And one of the most uh, outspoken and passionate people about education that I know, uh, we have with us Mr. Jorge Lopez. Jorge, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, brother. Doing good. That's good, man. So, you know, normally on the Sobio Rants, the reason why the platform is built is to really talk to leaders, normally black, but leaders that are impacting the lives of black folks uh, in Oakland and the Bay Area. Uh, Jorge is not black, um, hence Jorge Lopez. Uh, Jorge has been doing some amazing work in this field, and it is definitely and no doubt like impacted black families. So I'm going to shut up and let him tell you a little bit more about what he does. Jorge, can you tell the people a little bit more about your background? Yeah. So, um, originally from the Bay, I was born and raised in Richmond, California. I'm the first in my family to be born in the United States. Um, come from a family of five. My parents immigrated from Mexico uh, uh, in the early 70s in search of what every immigrant family is looking for, and that's uh, a better life. And so, uh, my parents sacrificed everything that they know in order for their kids to have a, a better future than they, what they were presented. My mother only went to school up to first grade in Mexico, um, and she has a huge family and lived in extreme poverty. So her role was to, as a second oldest, was to, was to maintain a, a dozen brothers and sisters that she had to. Uh, my father went to school till high school, and in Mexico, you pay to go to high school. High schools are not free. So he went as far as he could and then said, no, it's time to get to work. So, um, so I represent the dreams um, of my family, but it's also the dreams of every immigrant family that's ever come to the United States. We landed in Richmond, California. A lot of my family's in Chicago. A lot of my family's in LA. My family followed an uncle of mine who started working in steel mills in Richmond, California. And so, uh, so that's what brought us here. It was, a, it was the, it was the income and my dad came and uh, put us in school in Richmond, California. And didn't realize how messed up the school system was. Cause how is he going to know? He, you know, they don't know anything about the country other than it's better than where they come from. Um, and so, you know, went through the school system in Richmond, California. I went from being a gifted kid in elementary school to a straight F student. By the time I was in seventh grade, I was, I flunked the seventh grade. And I never was an eighth grader because they socially promoted me. The reason for that is by that time, I started loving to fight. Um, I, you know, in, in these neighborhoods, I hated to fight in the beginning. I was a big guy. I've always been a big guy. And, and, and when you're a big kid in, in, in some of these neighborhoods, people are going to push you to fight just to challenge you. And, and so while I hated to fight while I was in elementary school, by the time I got to middle school, I got pretty good at it. Then by the time I got to high school, I loved it. So by 10th grade, I was thrown out of school, uh, Richmond High School. Uh, I showed up one day and they said, you don't go to school here anymore. And they sent me to continuation school. No due process, no nothing. They just kicked me out. 
Um, and uh, I walked the streets. I wandered the streets for nearly a month. Didn't do anything because they never alerted my parents. And so, uh, so I was roaming the streets until one day my brother caught me and took my older brother, who was, who was a good kid, and told me, uh, you better tell mom and dad um, or else I'm going to tell them. And so, uh, so I told my mom and I started, uh, I just, my mom was a maid and I started cleaning homes with her to help her out. And uh, that's when my life changed. And one, one moment I was mopping the floor of an, of, uh, in Berkeley Hill, of one of her clients who was an attorney. And, uh, and so the attorney t- told me, what are you doing out of school? And I told her, I don't go to school anymore. And uh, she said, no, that's not right. Went and talked to my mom and my mom in her broken English told her, you don't understand where we live. You know, schools are not safe. They threw my son out. They sent him to a gladiator school, basically. And so he's not going to go there. What good is it that that level of education when he's dead? And so uh, so it struck that attorney and uh, she took it upon herself to get me out of the Richmond school system and then try to get me into the Berkeley school system where she lives. And she saw the system for what it was. The superintendent, associate superintendent said in my face and in my mother's face, this guy's a thug. We don't need any more thugs in these schools. And, uh, and, and so she took it upon herself to say that's not good enough. And so she took guardianship of me. Now, to my mother, that was such a lack. Of, I was just so I mean, it was it, it was humiliating to her because she had to give up guardianship. And that means a lot to an immigrant Mexican woman to give guardianship. But she understood she understood the, the need and the necessity that I needed to get pulled out of Richmond to continue to go to school. So, um, so I went to, so I went to Berkeley high school. I got in as a 10th grader. My brother also got in. So we worked a package deal and we got in and, uh, and I never stopped going to school after that. And, uh, but what it demonstrated to me and why I'm in this work of school choice, um, is that I learned the hard way how you're doomed by the zip code that you live in. And so I didn't realize that as a kid. I mean, I realized it as a kid somewhat because I had never went to school with white kids or Asian kids, really. Um, It was always black and brown kids where I grew up. And so when I got to the Berkeley High School campus, there was just so many different colors, different variety of punk rockers, skater punks, rugby players, Asians. I mean, international students. So it was eye opening, but it was very segregated. Right. And so. um, but I, you know, I it, what it did is it, it it made me rise up to an academic challenge that I never had to rise up to because I said I I'm not going to be left behind. I'm not going to be the dumb brown kid that people are going to be able to consider stupid. So I put it upon myself to really uh to really work hard, and I never stopped going to school. I've been going ever since. Man, that's powerful, man. I think that um just listening to you and I like I love that you start off the rant the right way brother that's how we, that's how we do it I like that so keep that energy um, yep. I wanted to ask since it is Sobio rants what do you feel like what do you feel about black and brown relations in the bay area around this education work and why do you feel we need and why do you feel we need to come together if you feel like we need to come together now I actually don't know what you feel but um, yeah. but but why don't you paint that for us a little bit around why this is important right now well, I think I think what 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 we're you know we're conditioned as black and brown people we're conditioned to fight over scraps because we don't run the show we don't run the structure we don't run the system the system runs us the structure is built against us and so we get scraps we get the leftover pork and we make meals out of that and we do that in society 
um, at different levels. And in, in terms of community and education, we're just fighting for a little piece of the corner and we're fighting for a turf and we're fighting for income. We're fighting for a spot, a hot spot. You know, back in the days, a spot meant that whoever had control of the spot is going to make the most money. And uh, and we would fight for it. And see, we're fighting over scraps that 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 other people dominate and 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 they control it and they control it through different manipulations and in, in terms of police, financing. I mean, just at, at so many different levels. But in education, it's the same thing. You know, I, I came into this work, man, as as the, uh, I'm not I, I didn't start this role as a CEO, because quite frankly, had I applied to a CEO role to any one of these organizations, they'd have never hired me. So, um, so I had to build my own capacity to be a CEO. So I started off with this school when it, when it was a one school shop. Now it's a six school uh, shop with uh, 2,500 kids. When we, when I took over, it had 150 kids, but it's the same thing. We're fighting over scraps. And, and, and the quicker that we understand that, um, that if, if we're fighting over scraps and the other, and uh, the, the dominant society continues to just throw us scraps, we, we, we got to be together at the table and we have to demand not just to play, but they're going to feed us. And we have to work together to dominate that table. I, I mean, as you can hear from my draw, man, I grew up in a black neighborhood. I, I didn't never, I never gangbang. A lot of, you know, you'll hear a lot of, a lot of uh, Latino brothers talk about gangs and how they belong to this, man. I don't, I ain't never met a gang expert, man, because there ain't no such thing in my eyes. It, it's the gang experts are the ones that stayed out of it. And so, uh, so I never gang banged. I lived in, I grew up, I lived in different apartments and cop projects in Richmond. And I'm going to give you a story, man, that shows you the, 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 just what's, I, what ended up saving me, man, in the long run, because it's so easy to fall in the Latino gangs, the Mexican gangs in Richmond back in the day. And so what saved me was I grew up, I, I lived in this apartment complex. It was a massive apartment complex. And, uh, and we were the only Mexican family in this complex. And my family one day, came over and, and they bought a goat, right? My family was into, they would cut the goat up. They hung the goat up from, uh, from the play structure and they, and, they, and they were skinning it. And they were going to cook it up, you know, cook a meal. And then the black kids saw it and they were like, the Mexicans are devil worshiping. <laughs> and so what happened, what, what, but that's a, that's, that was like the cultural clash, right? That, that I felt, I was probably about six years old when that happened. I spoke very little English. And, the, and so I grew up with those kids. So they learned what it was to be Mexican. I learned what it was to be black. When I got older, those same kids were my brothers now to this day. Um, those guys would always, would always say, he's not, he's not like, like, like those gangbangers over then. So they would always look out for me and I look out for them in different avenues, which allowed us to cross different neighborhoods in Richmond. So it's, it's, that is the example of us seating together at the table. Because if I sit down, Charles, you sit down, we got two plates and we, we're going to make sure we get everybody else to sit down that, that, that looks like us um, because the more, you know, the powers in numbers. And so I learned from that experience and learned from my experience growing up. I grew up for 22 years next to a former Black Panther um, who, uh, who just blew my mind. I would walk into his house. His name was Norman Doggett and he was my first mentor. And I would walk into his house and he had walls of books. I mean, all, th and, and I would walk in and he, he'd pull a book that he wanted to reference for me and my brother and his son, 
uh, Khalif is my brother. And so he would pull books out and he would sit us down and he would make us read. In my house, we didn't have books, right? We didn't have, we were in a, a text rich environment because we we're immigrants and we were trying to, my parents would survive. They weren't even at home most of the time. They were working. And so I grew up in this household where you were challenged every day. And not only were you challenged um, uh, mentally, right? But by, by making sure that, because Norman wouldn't let you off the hook, but also it, you're also challenging your perspective, right? And in, in, in the sense of I'm in, a, I'm in someone else's house with a different culture and they come over to my house with a different culture. And for 20 years, over 20 years, we learned, we learned what it was to navigate each other. And so that built up my experience to say, you know, we need to be together. We need to, we need to be working together because all we do is fight over scraps. And we fight over scraps with our own people. The biggest killer of brown people are brown people. You know, honestly, we can, we can, we can, you know, I, I know, know tons of family members that are no longer with us. So, uh, so anyway, so, so I learned quickly, man, that, that if we're not united, we're divided. And if we're divided, we fall. Man, I appreciate that, man. I think, and so one of the things that I wanted to ask as we kind of had this conversation is me and you work in education. This is like what we do, right? Yeah. What, um, I guess I would say most of the people that listen to this podcast and this, they're not into education the way we are. They are like civilians around education stuff. So in closing, like what, what do you want just the average listener, the average parent, black, Latino, whomever that's really struggling with this system really struggling with education? Like, what do you want them to know? Give us some of that, that wisdom. Every day, black and brown kids are getting killed with invisible bullets in, in public schools, period. We're, they're, they're, we're being murdered, man. We're being murdered with low expectations. We're being murdered with stumbling tongues. We're being murdered with a lack of, a, a lack of belief in our, our abilities. We're being murdered every day by people who do not care and who have no aspirations for us other than for them, for them to collect the paycheck. Then we have the political leaders who are scared. I mean, you know, school choice only became an issue when black, poor black and brown families got it because nobody ever said a damn word about pu public school choice when it comes down to private schools, right? Private schools have been around forever. And so uh, only when, when black and brown families had the ability to choose a, a public school of their own is when it became an issue. So I want the public to understand just how far we are from really knowing and holding public school uh, and po public school officials and, and, and politicians accountable. Because I'll tell you, man, only in education would this scenario be set up where a person who sits on a school district board, that school district goes bankrupt two times, in, you know, two times over the last decade. They're horrible practices. They send, you know, their low, uh, uh, lowest graduation rates are among black and brown kids. And then that person can say, you know what? I'm gonna run for higher office only in education. Could you imagine if the medical board, what, what would happen if a doctor um, uh, lost more than 80% of their patients and then said, you know what? I'm gonna run for office, man. That would be, that would be crazy. That person would, you know, we would laugh at that person's face. If an, if an attorney were to say, if he would be disbarred 
and he would be bankrupt and bankrupted and was in, it was like a, a kind of like an Arthur Anderson scandal in Enron where these guys manipulating books and then say, you know what? I'm going to run for president. And only in education can, is that allowed. Why? Now today, man, for example, I hear, you know, there's this whole vaccination law, like these people, uh, there's, a, there's a whole crowd of people that are, are resisting uh, immunizing their children because of their personal belief. And so at the Capitol to protest, protesters chained themselves up to the front of the door. One protester threw blood at the governor. There was arrests. But how come we ain't doing that? Do we realize how many black and brown kids are being sent to death by the school system? I mean, the fact that in Richmond, California, right now, as we speak, Kennedy High School has zero percent black students proficient in mathematics. That's a damn crime, man. People need to be indicted for that. But instead of what they do, I'm just going to run for city council. So we have to wake up and realize that the biggest the biggest structural uh, 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 impediment that is being imposed upon the youth is education. And no one has expectations for black and brown kids and no one will until we rise up and we do and we realize um, that it's a structural problem and we're being sent to death. And, and you know, for the longest time, and Charles, you know, man, I've been talking to you about it for a while. I, I, I run this organization, man. I'm looking down at the kids in our program right now as I speak, man, and I'm so happy for them that they're, they have an opportunity to be happy, to grow, and to be challenged. We have to challenge our youth. We have to get them ready for the realities of the structural uh, uh, structural issues that are going to face them in America. And, and it's going to kill them unless we get them ready. So we have to fight the system harder than, with, than what we're doing, way harder than what we're doing, because every day our kids are dying. Man, that's, that's, you, you just said a lot, man. I appreciate it. That's why I wanted to get you on this podcast, because you, you really bring it. Uh, and just in closing, man, this is the last one, I promise. Um, so what do you want the parents that feel powerless, that feel trapped in these systems, that feel trapped in this education, uh, this miseducation system, man? Like, what do you what do you what do you want those parents to do or or, or give them some power back? Like, get, yeah. get the good word, Jorge, to take us out. I'm going to tell you that the power is in their hands. The power is in the family's hands. The power is is in then the whole it's the taxpayer dollars. If you really think about what is a school district? A school district is what they don't they don't produce any money. They take money and they use money and they use taxpayer money to destroy their taxpayers kids. If you're black and brown now, it may work in affluent areas. So I want the families to know, number one, just how messed up the school system is. And this is not just in Richmond, California. This is not just in Oakland, California, San Francisco, Los Angeles. Go to Chicago, go to New York. Go to Denver. Go to any place where there's black and brown kids. I always tell my families on, on, on uh, when we when we have orientations, I'll say, you know, if I drive up and down the highway and I see black and brown kids, I know the school system is messed up. Now that's a that's a jacked up reality to think about, but I, it's real. If you see black and brown kids, you already know the school district is messed up. Why? And why do we tolerate that? And why do we tolerate uh, politicians? Uh, using our kids as leverage, right? Using these positions on school boards as leverage. It's a stepping stone. And so families have their voice. Families should demand that they get 
school choice exactly like the affluent families do, and it should be free. And we should not let anyone take that away. Right now, there's an attack on the school system and it's being pumped mainly by the teachers' unions. Don't buy that crap. That stuff is, it, it, the, 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 the reality is when the majority of the schools are black and brown, you go into those class. I encourage families, go into the schools. Walk in. That's your school. You're paying for it. Go check it out. See what's going on. I do it all the damn time. I, I want them to kick me out. I walk in there just to see what's going on. And I can tell you, there ain't no learning going on in the, in the, in the inner city public schools. I, I don't give a damn. They, people can say what they want to say. Be politically correct. I ain't never played that game. So families, go see where your kids go. Families fight for school choice. Families understand it's your school district, not theirs. And and with that, man, I appreciate you, Jorge. Is it okay for families to uh, to reach out to you? Uh, can we give out your contact information? Absolutely. Absolutely. Want me to give it out? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, my email is jlopez at amethodschools.org, all one word. Um, that's the best way to get a hold of me. Honestly, I'm, uh, I, I, uh, I'm an email guy. Um, but, but reach out to me. I'm always available. I love doing this. I love focusing on it. I've been focusing a lot more on external issues, um, simply because, uh, um, I can see that the status quo is trying to rise up and eliminate school choice for families. And I ain't going to have it. Man, I appreciate that, y'all. And uh, with that, uh, you've been listening to Sobio Rants. I will put uh, Jorge's information in the notes so you can reach out to him. He's doing some amazing work. He is a part of this group called Families in Action, in addition to his other work, uh, where folks are working to make sure that parents understand the options that are in front of them, understand how to get the best quality schools they can. And when the quality ain't where it needs to be, uh, teaching those parents how to push on the system to make sure they get what they need. Uh, Thank you for joining us and we will see you on the other side. Peace.